All right, back to Season 3, Episode 3 of The Average Man's Adventures. We are continuing with Chapter 2 of Once Upon a Rhyme. Chapter 2, Home is Here. What you reading? Turbo had no idea that wasn't exactly a soup question. He had no idea of the depths of emotion stirred by the book his dad held in his hand. Of course he didn't. He was ten, dripping with sweat and ever curious, but only until the next great adventure presented itself. He leaned in on Oski's lap, sharing his wet hair and dusty face. It's a book Grandpa left, Oski almost whispered, swallowing hard and flipping the pages. He wrote these poems. Let's read them. Turbo's glee erased some of Oski's harder emotions, leaving a smirk, an eye roll, a shaking of the head. They both already knew Oski would say yes, like all kids to their parents. A syringe of Turbo's happy spirit cured all ills, and Oski sought to protect Turbo's indomitable heart, both to nurture the child's joy, but also to protect the parent's own miracle cure. Good parents can never be happier than their saddest child. So picture the parent as a salt shaker to the child as a meal. The parent stands nearby, ready to offer seasoning to enhance the child's life, but careful not to drown out the child's own flavor and add unnecessary weight to their soul. Let's go downstairs and take a better look. Oski squeezed Turbo another side hug, this time enjoying a sniff of his post-playtime boyish charm. They left the remnants of Hollis's regurgitated life and descended the attic stairs back to the kitchen. A convenient and necessary pit stop at this point. It was now past 2 p.m. and more than three hours and about an hour too long since a 10-year-old boy last ate. Oski slapped together some peanut butter and jelly crackers, items impervious to and unspoiled by the surrounding sadness. Problem solved. The twosome ventured into the bare bedroom. Oski had grown up in it, but Turbo had long since commandeered it as his own during weekend and overnight stays at Grandpa's house. They crawled side by side into the bottom bunk of the old red two-tier bed frame. Turbo knew the drill having been happily read to sleep by both Oski and Hollis over the years. Oski knew the drill from both sides of the bed, the equal yet different joy in giving and receiving those stories. The view of the underside of the top bunk instantly sent Oski back 30 years or more to his mom and dad training him on his favorite classics, such as Goodnight Moon, Are You My Mother, and Ten Apples Up on Top. Oski had gotten off to a fast start in school from that foundation, even once reciting all the U.S. presidents from memory at his preschool graduation. Trivia absorbed from happy reading games with Hollis and Annie before bed. Played hard, full belly, a parent's voice. That was the Pythagorean theorem if he had done the math for a child's nap. True to form, it didn't take long for Oski to notice Turbo's heavy breathing and hand drifting away from its role and supporting his side of the book. They had made it a few poems in, slowed some by questions on words and greater themes that required translation into turbo terms, nothing that would sting salt for a ten-year-old, remember? Even without his reading partner, Oski scanned the next page. 
Journal, page 4. Children will grow and go beyond any premonition. No matter, they still always know. Call it intuition. A real love cannot be lost. A dad never leaves his post. And like those, home is an irrevocable condition. Aki took a deep breath, holding it while he read it again, and then exhaled. He slithered away from Turbo, sliding the pillow gently under his sleeping smile. Still another hour for the realtor to show, so good timing for the rest. And from his peaceful face, you would think Turbo had momentarily forgotten his grandpa was gone. Oski eased over to the window, the same window he had peeked out as a child, hoping to see the sunshine so all the backyard games of the day were still on. He no longer saw the overcast cold day it was, but rather the glowing scenes of his youth. The room and yard were much smaller now, somewhat decayed and splintering, whether the window frames or the fence out back. To an adult mind expanded by the world, the change was inevitable, but to Oski's childhood self, the vivid memories were inimitable. He had only six years in that house, from birth until first grade, but re-entry to such memories came in slow motion, similar to being underwater. In his mind, he had spent a lifetime there, slowly disappearing into that former life. In this movie he allowed his mind to see, Oski noted himself younger and happier than he ever recalled being. He appeared unsoiled, untouched, and unchanged, and he wondered whether Hollis had ever been that way, the way he recalled his younger self and the way Turbo was now. In this vivid replay, Hollis raced home from work during the week to play with a three- or four-year-old Oski. The darkness outside didn't prevent indoor baseball sessions, with Hollis pitching from the couch and Oski smacking the squishy ball off the windows and walls before circling the bases around the coffee table. Between innings, there was knee football, with Hollis letting himself be slowly taken down by the cackling Oski, just shy of the goal line. The scene complete with Hollis's humming of the old Monday Night Football intro tune. This might go on for hours until Oski was wringing wet with sweat and had to bathe before bed. The pair pausing only for snacks or because their cheeks hurt too much from laughter. Through the thick fog of the visions, Oski's eyes found Turbo in the bed, and he couldn't restrain a smile. They had enjoyed many of those days too. Oski's foot nudged a plastic car sticking out from under the foot of the bed, and his eyes widened at his find. To anyone else, it was just a small rocking car for a toddler, complete with popcorn sound effects on the steering wheel. But with Hollis, Oski had ridden that car to greatness in their imitations of ESPN's World's Strongest Man competitions. Ever the sports addict, Hollis had worked out religiously, a habit Oski couldn't help but inherit. The osmosis started with watching those old reruns and then recreating homemade versions of the strongman events. In this one, Hollis had tugged at a rope at one end of the house, pulling the car from the other end. Laughing hysterically, a three-year-old Oski had sat in the car while being dragged across the living room floor again and again and again. He stifled a chuckle and checked that Turbo's eyes were still closed. Weekends were varied all-day affairs, but those generally involved sports as well. By the time Oski reached kindergarten at age five, Hollis had already invested heavy energy in coaching and running various athletic leagues for local kids. 
Oski enjoyed countless Saturday hours at various gyms or fields, and though Hollis tried to love and teach them all, Oski always got the best seat in the house during any huddle, soaking up all the X's, O's, and time with his dad as possible. Those memories were vague flashes of sweaty faces, but they still felt good. No matter our parents or surroundings, we all have an inner voice that knows when things are way off and when things are really right. Whether back then or in his memory now, Oski's heart heard and felt a happy, childlike shriek. That world became even better the following year with the birth of Oski's sister, Belle. There was a lot of big brother attention to give, offsetting Hollis's absence while working longer hours to save for a larger house. Hollis was even more fun when he got home, instantly drunk on Belle's charm. By the summer after first grade, Oski had graduated from T-ball and was a budding young catcher on his first team with Hollis. And Belle and Annie were constant front row spectators. It wasn't a perfect life for a kid, but he could see perfect from there. Perfection lay just a few miles away where he could see the new family home under construction in the blossoming Whitmarsh subdivision. All Oski could see was the basketball court, full-size with football yard out back, and oh yeah, if he and his friends got bored or too hot, a swimming pool. There hadn't been even a twinge of sadness toward Whitmarsh until now. In retrospect, over 30 years later, as Oski could now see that creation of their new life required destruction of the old one here on 2nd Street, which was full of such simple, plastic, car-like pleasures lost in the search for greater ones. But this really was the stereotypical American dream, complete with the dainty home, a two-story, four-bedroom, two-car garage, pillared front porch on the corner lot cliche. Hollis had taken a better job as a local prosecutor to afford the upgrade, so add him scurrying off to work to fight crime the adoring, doting Annie making dinner, and the two young kids enjoying the Wilmington equivalent of Neverland Ranch. And Oski had unknowingly started life at the top of the small-town food chain. They even had the ideal puppy, a miniature schnauzer named Mia, and lived just a bit shy of perfection and the 2.4 kid average in the most recent census. All right, we'll pause there. Oski's reliving childhood while Turbo takes a nap. And uh, the realtor is about to show up. We'll pick up on the next episode. Talk to you soon.